Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire family. Pastor Roger here, one of the pastors here at Inspire, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. This is our third installment for our Inside Out series, and I'm very excited uh, to be able to bring this next principle to you. Um, I remember when I was interested in trying to learn to play the guitar. And actually, I only did it for maybe two hours because my fingers really hurt. And I realized that in order to play the guitar well, it's going to take a lot of practice. And in that practice, I would actually end up developing calluses on my fingers. The reason why is because it's caused from friction. Well, we are in the middle of a series about emotionally, emotional health, and emotionally, all of us have experienced friction in our lives. We've experienced pain and disappointment and sadness and rage. We've been let down, and because of that, we have developed sort of emotional calluses, if you will. And in this series about emotional health, I believe that God wants to challenge us, and especially today, with what we ought to do with some of those emotional calluses that you and I carry um, around on a daily basis. Um, and we've developed these so that way people can't touch the sensitive areas of our lives that we feel might be painful. But I am going to argue today that God's desire is to kind of strip away um, and allow us to and empower us and allow us to feel free to be vulnerable. In fact, that's what this next principle in our series is about. It's titled Live in Brokenness and Vulnerability. If you remember two weeks ago, we opened up and Phil and I were dialoguing back and forth about this idea that when you look at people in the Bible, they're actually very emotional. But, but also, when you look at God, he is emotional. And so if you remember, we looked at the Psalms and, and where there was sort of this rich exploration of our emotions in Scripture. And we said that as we desire to grow spiritually in our maturity, that that is actually linked with our emotional health. In fact, that's the premise, really, of this whole series, that you and I, we cannot grow spiritually and stay emotional infants. Um, and, and so when we dive into what it looks like to sort of take this journey of emotional maturity, we, we often only look at the surface um, and kind of what's happening above, right? Um, we look at our behaviors and our actions, and oftentimes th those can be misleading unless we're willing to look beneath the surface and find out what is motivating those behaviors. And then last week, 
Pastor Phil took us into his childhood home and proposed to us that when we look beneath the surface, the, the, the surface oftentimes uh, we find a link uh, to why we do what we do. Uh, it is linked with sort of our family origin, right? That, that oftentimes um, what's happened is over time we've inherited sort of these patterns or these unhealthy ways of living or coping or dealing. We, we, we've, we've developed these calluses, right? And we learn from people like our parents or our siblings or grandparents or foster parents or whoever it is that sort of raised you. And, and we gleaned uh, things uh, from them. And now we walk around with those patterns. And so last week, uh, what we said is that Jesus has the power to break the past, uh, not by modifying behavior, but by bringing us into a brand new family and now learning to live the way that Jesus has transformed us to live. And so this week, I'm really excited because we are going to look about, look at this idea about what it means to live in brokenness and vulnerability, to have the courage to live in vulnerability. So, so as we dive in, what I think is important is to get some of the language and the definitions down um, and that we're on the same page because it's not going to do any good if uh, I'm talking about vulnerability and if we have uh, different definitions. Um, so I'm going to define vulnerability for our purposes today as sort of presenting yourself honestly and humbly. So, so vulnerability is, is to present yourself honestly and humbly. And, and it really takes both of these. So some, some of you are thinking, well, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, honesty and humility um, are sort of uh, the same thing, that, that I almost feel like uh, that, that's, that those are synonyms. Uh, but I'm going to suggest that they're not, because I think we all have friends uh, who feel like, man, we really love them, we're huge fans of them, because they keep it real, right? They keep it real. And, and, so, they f- and so it looks as though they're just honest, because they tell it like it is. Um, but yet, they also tend to be aggressive, or angry, or combative, right? And I, and I would actually argue that they're actually not being vulnerable. Be, because inherent to vulnerability is the notion that you are going to expose yourself um, to other people and put yourself at risk of possibly being judged by them or even hurt by them, right? That that you're actually going to give the other party the power to know you well enough that there's actually a risk that they could even hurt you. And and, and you can't do that without humility. And, And I think there's actually a verse that illustrates this notion of vulnerability in a holistic manner pretty well. So I want us to look at 1 John uh, chapter 1, and it says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
So, so vulnerability is to walk in the light. And right off the bat, what we see in this passage is that there are two benefits for living vulnerably, right? And really, this is going to play out throughout the sermon today. And really, you'll see this if you are in a book club, which I hope you are. If you have not joined one yet, it's not too late. Jump in. Uh, but I will say this, that you're, you'll see this specifically in this chapter, uh, these sort of two sides, these two two main factors, these two benefits. And the first benefit will actually impact the relationship you have with God. The second benefit impacts the relationship that you have with others. And so the first benefit of living, living vulnerably is that when we, when we walk in vulnerability uh, and with vulnerability before God, he covers our sins and he purifies us with the blood of Jesus. You see that? And so when we come to God with our brokenness and in honesty and in transparency, when we say, listen, I finally see that I cannot actually fix myself. I finally see that I have to come before God and admit that I am flawed and I need saving just like everybody else, right? And in that space of honesty and humility, he covers us. He covers us. The, the, the second byproduct of living vulnerable is, when, when, is that we walk before others. We don't just walk before God, but we walk before others exposed and allowing them to see our flaws and failures. And through that, we actually experience fellowship with one another. You see that? Fellowship with one another another. And, 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 you know, that word fellowship, that's actually a very Christian word. Let me just make it a little more real to you because fellowship is not just hanging out after church, right? A fellowship is not you're going to hang out and maybe go to a restaurant, grab a bite to eat after a great, you know, Sunday morning church service, and we say that's fellowship. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I love that, and I miss that. I actually miss that a lot. I miss after Sunday service is done, going with friends and family to a restaurant, eating, hanging out. It feels amazing. I, I don't know about you, but uh, there are some spots that were kind of like our go to spots. In fact, I would like to know that if you have a go-to spot, if there was a spot that you're like, hey, we're going to go here, and that was your go-to spot after a Sunday morning service, would you just throw that up in the chat right now? I'd love to know what that is. You know, maybe it's Chili's, maybe it's Texas Roadhouse, Denny's, I don't know, McDonald's drive-thru, wherever that was, throw that up. Um, and for some people, this was like the highlight of their Sunday. In fact, for some people, that was the main destination. Church was like a pit stop to that restaurant. Um, and so it is something that, you know, we miss. It's something that I miss, but that's actually not the definition of fellowship. Fellowship is deeper than that. It's this idea of koinonia, right? It's much deeper. It, 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 in other words, what it means is that we have mutual conviction that leads to a deep intimacy and sharing of all things financial, emotional, and relational. 
Wow. So in other words, you name it, that's our conviction that leads us to a place where we see our lives go beyond uh, just the fact that we have uh, some sort of surface level commonalities, right? Our relationship goes beyond the fact that we live in the Bay Area or that everyone in your group hangs out because you guys like to work out or you have the same career, right? But rather... What fellowship is, it's a byproduct that, that we experience sort of intangible uh, relationship with each other, and, and, and it's deep, um, and it's rooted, and, and that's the reason that, that we are drawn to each other, for, for sort of the, the, this deeper, more sustainable relationship. In fact, what Pete says in this chapter, he says this, uh, the great fruit um, of choosing the unpopular countercultural path of brokenness and weakness is that people will be drawn to us like they're drawn to Jesus. So, so as we're broaching the subject of vulnerability, I, I'm aware that some of you are watching or listening, and, and you are actively seeking this. You're like, yes, I want to have deep relationships. I want to be able to, 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 to open up with people. I, I, I don't want to carry this thing by myself, the, the struggles that are within. I, I would love to be able to find people that I can, uh, uh, that I can expose this to that won't judge me, that, that, that can relate to me, um, that won't look down on me that won't think that 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 they are better than me and I am less than I want that and and I think there are people that are watching this and listening to this that that you're like yes that's exactly what I'm looking for but you feel like you're coming up dry and, and so what I want to do is I want to propose to you as we tackle this topic today really a couple questions uh, here we go here's question 1 is do you really feel like you're walking in the light both with others and, most importantly, with yourself. Question two, um, are you able to be honest with where you're really at and invite others in? Because I promise you that if you do this, then First John will not let you down. You will experience fellowship that you may not have experienced before. And you say, you know what, Pastor Roger, that sounds amazing, the idea of opening up and everything, but that's actually a lot easier said than done. And, and so there's this struggle within to be like, I, I kind of want it and I kind of don't because it's just not easy to open up. Um, I think for me, it's right now I'm in this space of going through and healing through trauma that I've experienced as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to say that that really impacts the way that I'm raising my kids in an over-sexualized world right now for girls. Um, I feel like my self-worth over time has definitely diminished because of things that I have been through. Um, and now I have insecurities in my marriage. I have insecurities in my kids. I have insecurities um, with the type of people I surround myself around. If, if there's something that you do or say that'll trigger me, I won't even think twice about being your friend. I just, I won't, I won't even, I don't know how to connect with peers. And so it's not just like the self-worth part of it, but just more so 
because of the trauma that I've endured over time, I've learned how to, if you don't benefit me in some way or another, I have no purpose to pursue a friendship with you. And so for me, I'm in this place of healing where I'm learning what the damage has been done. How can I change? Because now if I call myself a Christian, a child of God, how can I call myself that and at the same time reject you in your time of need or not be there for you or not show compassion? Um, because it's easy for me to show compassion for people that are not close to me. But it's very hard for me to show compassion for someone who has the opportunity and room to open that door to know who I really am. True. I mean, one less, you know, the mind travels. If you're in an idle place, <clears throat> you can you can definitely get the best the best of your time. That's um, something I'm not not too proud of, you know. It's something that uh, I think I've voiced to some people, but it's been somewhat of a stronghold in my life for a few years. And I'm starting to realize that it's you know childhood strongholds, you know, that it's not really my fault, but like I need to put in the work, and that requires being. Vulnerable, you know, it's allowing people inside of your life to, you know, kind of have an opinion, kind of have a voice, you know, and then it's like, what do you do with that information? You know, maybe my parenting skills, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to spank my kids. I was, you know, I was always spanked growing up, you know, last thing I want to do is be doing this all day, just like at the same time, like I need you to. I tell you to do something, I need you to do it. So it's like, I'm back and forth. I'm not really flashing, but like, I'm, I'm trying to find the middle ground. And sometimes I feel like, you know, the other family members real stern, real quick, real, you know, the kids are real militant, but it's like, at what cost? Yeah, I've been through some things in life um, and um, praise God for his faithfulness and, and overcoming lots of things. Um, I think in that, you know, I want to hold on to the overcoming and knowing that God brought me through it, um, the forgiveness, you know, all those things. And while I want to, you know, um, celebrate those things, I think that of the many things that have or everything has transpired, it's um, you almost want it to be done at that. Celebrate them. They're done. They're good. Um, but as I've um, gone older, as um, things, um, life continues to happen, uh, what I'm realizing is that a lot of those things don't go away. Um, I know I've been through counseling. I open up and share my story a lot. But the thing about it is, I think because of it, I really deal with just this like, deep like sadness and loneliness and you know I used to think that oh maybe it's because I'm single and I'm a single parent and the more time that I've looked into it actually there's this like deep deep sadness and loneliness that I go through and it's embarrassing because because I know I, I stand on the banner that Christ is enough that I should be fully satisfied in him. And, and while I am, and while I seek to, to do that, to be in that every day, I still struggle with, with 
with loneliness and sadness that attacks a lot of my identity, my self-worth, um, the way I view my value in myself and with how and my uh, perception of how others value me. And um, it's embarrassing because, you know, does that make me less of a Christian? Does that mean I'm not praying enough that God doesn't love me enough or or am I betraying God because I don't love him enough because I'm still so sad inside? That's what's so hard about it. Um, I'm a leader at church. I um, encourage many people at church. I love to pray for others to know their stories. And I struggle with, wow, but if I'm st still struggling in this, like, man, am I good enough to minister and encourage others? Like, is it still meaningful if I share that actually I also struggle so much with my self-worth, my identity, my sadness, my loneliness? And so that's hard. That's hard to bring up knowing that I've had so many victories and yet I'm still left with so much pain from it. I've seen potential in other people, or I've seen a situation where I've been at, but because I've voiced my struggle with them, and maybe they're really in a low place and they're being defensive and they take what I say and they use it against me. But just last week or just last month, this is what you told me. So now what you're saying is not valid. And it's like, it can make me kind of stand off. It's like, you know what, I'm not even about to say nothing no more because people are judging me. You know what I mean? Like they're taking what I said and they're using it against me. You know, so it kind of, I feel like it might take away your voice, but for me, I feel like consistency is key. You know, plus growth, I feel like, for me. Um, for me, um, it's the feeling of being judged. Um, it goes a bit deeper for me because I have been the topic of discussion in school. I have been the topic of discussion in church. Um, I have been the topic of discussion almost in every area where I've ever planted my life. Um, and so for me, uh, coming here and starting over, this has definitely been an area where I have feared opening up. But it's almost like God just keeps bringing me into places and situations with people where it's either you open up, let God do the work, or you might as well sit in your mess and don't try. And then it's at that point, again, going back to my kids, I have to be strong. I have to heal because if I'm not healed, I can't raise confident, full of self-esteem, beautiful, loving girls. Like I can't raise that if I can't become that in myself and in Christ. Um, in my culture, um, there's almost this present the best of what you are, of who you are, because anything less than that is almost, um, there's almost this like loyalty to your culture, to your family. And it's hard because so many things of who you are is tied to your family, the things that have happened in your family, in your past, in your home. And in my culture, we don't talk about those things. You don't want to betray your family, um, the honesty, the rawness, or the things that have happened or are happening. You know, there's this 
need to protect it, need to save face, need to um, kind of, because um, if you speak truth, then it almost kind of makes you question what people are looking at. Yeah. Like, for example, you know, if you speak of unfortunate things in your past, in your childhood, then you're, you're talking bad about your parents. You're talking bad about your home, the, you know, all the hard work they put into it. Um, and so it's, you know, you, you, we live, I learned to live in so much caution that it's caused me to lose my voice in being honest because there's this conditioning of, well, you don't want to hurt others. You don't want to hurt people. You don't want to be disloyal. You don't want to be disrespectful. And um, that's always the filter of, you know, of when I'm put in a place to be honest, vulnerable or broken, it's the filter of, well, hold on. If I say this, I might disrespect or hurt someone. So I better not because I don't want to hurt them, disrespect them, put them down. I've seen um, lots of people confess struggles or sins to leadership. And the moment that it was confessed, um, it almost seemed like the next step was um, take the leadership position away, stop talking to them, um, don't like the respect and all that went away. It just changed the dynamic of the, of the relationship. And it's almost like, if that happens to them, like, I don't want that to happen to me. That's the next step of being honest, where everything is taken away, people stop talking to you, your status changes, people think of you differently. They only see you for your sin and your struggle. Oh man, I don't want anyone to look at me that way. And I've witnessed it so many times in my church history, which unfortunately, um, is one of the reasons, not just myself, but I've seen so many people just downplay their truth or downplay, I mean, I've done it so many times, downplay my truth, downplay where where I'm struggling, um, my sin, just because you don't want to be looked different, you don't want to be looked at differently. So lately my girls have been into drawing and uh, I don't know, maybe about a month ago, um, you might have seen on my social media where I posted some of their drawings. And, and actually, I wanted to share some of their work with you today. And so this is, you know, both Olivia and Adeline drew, you know, a number of these. And uh, I'm very proud of them. Actually, um, I used to draw uh, when I was their age, but, but I wouldn't ever really show anybody. I was just too embarrassed of being judged or that it wasn't going to be good enough. But uh, my girls, they draw these, they run up to me and they say, Daddy, look. And, and then they actually post them all over the, the walls of their room. Um, and so it's something that I'm actually really proud of. And uh, I, I told Becca when I was looking at these pictures, I said, man, we got some Rembrandts here, right? Um, and, and my girl said, wait a minute, you know, who's Rembrandt? So I, I explained to them who he was, and I even showed them some of his work. And this is actually uh, one of his more famous uh, portraits here. Um, and this piece here is actually really cool because it's inspired by uh, the parable that Jesus told um, in Luke. And, it's, and we've titled that parable, uh, The Prodigal Son, right? Um, what's interesting for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus tells, that Jesus tells of this father who have 
two sons. There was a younger brother and there was an older brother. And at one point in time, the younger brother went to his father and, and he said, listen, I want my part of the inheritance, which is basically like saying, I want to treat you as though you're dead. And I, I want to have control of my life. I don't want to live here. I don't want to serve here. I don't do anything here. I want control. And so, you know, give me my part of the inheritance. inheritance. And so the father does. And the younger brother goes out and he squanders it. He, he, he basically blows all this money. Um, and while he's doing this, he, he's becoming a different person. Um, he's having to uh, owe people. Um, he's having to figure out life. And he ends up av- actually having to live in a hog trough, right, with, with pigs. Um, in case you all don't know what hogs are, that's just a, a way gr- growing up that we would call pigs. But there is a difference, but won't get into that today. Anyway, point is, he's there and, and he's living it. And, 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 you know, he, he's looking at his environment. He's looking at himself. And uh, he comes to this realization of, what am I doing? And he ends up running back to the father um, in his brokenness, in his mess. He runs back to the father and the father sees him afar off. And the father runs after him and opens up his arms and embraces him and puts a ring on his finger and puts a robe on him and, and, and brings him into the house and, and has this huge celebration, this feast, right? And, and, the, young, and the older brother um, became jealous of the situation because he felt like, man, what are you doing? Like he goes off and he, and he does all these things. He disrespects you. He dishonors you. And now you're going to celebrate him, right? And so that's sort of the parable that Jesus tells. And so what this portrait shows is it, is it shows exactly this, that this is the, the time where the, the prodigal son returned home. And, and this actually is a great model and gives us incredible insight to how, how we are to live in brokenness and weakness and vulnerability. Um, because what this demonstrates is that when we live in brokenness and vulnerability, that actually impacts the experience that you and I have and how we relate to God our Father. Because see, when the younger brother finally comes to his senses, he he doesn't put on the facade of wholeness, right? He doesn't put on the facade that he has it all together, but he says, but but, but rather he embraces the reality that he is broken. And so when he returns to the father, he he doesn't do it when he has his whole life all together with, uh, with accomplishments that he has sort of accumulated, but he comes to the father vulnerable. And, 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 and this is a beautiful picture of the, of the younger brother who, who was lost and now is found, right? And, and what we can see here is, is, is in contrast to not just the younger brother, but, but in contrast to the older brother. In fact, most of the time when this parable is preached on, the older brother is kind of forgotten about, but he's actually the climax of the story because what we see here is that there is actually a difference between what the younger brother experiences with the father and what the older brother experiences with the father. Um, and, And so what we see is we see this younger brother leaving his house 
uh, leaving the Father and, and going out to, to live uh, life in the way that he sort of see fits and, and ends up being broken and, and ends up making a bunch of hard decisions and, and having to wrestle with things and having struggles. And, and in fact, um, as we look at the younger brother, um, I think many of us can relate to him. And so what I actually want to do is I actually want to read a portion of the book that we are going through in our book club um, on how is it that maybe we can tend to be younger brothers in our life. And and I want you to listen to what uh, Pete says here. And and as I'm reading this, ask yourself, where do I find myself in this description? He, uh, Pete's obviously coming from the perspective of being a pastor and a minister, but think about this as of being a husband or a wife, um, a son or a daughter, an employee or an employer, right? A student, whatever it is, but uh, try to find yourself here, but, but listen to what he says. It's amazing. He says this, um, When talking about the younger brother, he says, the result is many of us in leadership are trying hard to please people, achieve success, and be recognized, and we end up lost. When I get depressed after somebody graciously corrects uh, corrects me, or if I find myself envying other people's success, um, or if I'm unable to say no without feeling guilty, I realize I'm the younger brother. I'm, I'm lost. I have left my home of rest and soaking in the love of God uh, for me in Christ. And, and he says this, I am searching for unconditional love where, I, where it cannot be found. When I get caught up in games and manipulation and self-delusions and power struggles and distortions, and I forget the voice of the Father and what he says to me, and he says how you are my son, right? Then I know that I have left home. I am lost and need to make the long, hard journey back. When I attempt to exercise control and power by not getting a ch- by, by not greeting a church member that slighted me, um, then I have strayed away from the embrace of the Father. When I discipline my children, not out of a desire to help them grow, but because they embarrass me in front of my friends, I am lost. When my views are challenged and I feel threatened, and then I defend myself vigorously rather than say, you know, you've given me some great things to think about, then I'm lost. When I need a certain size ministry or position or career or salary in order to feel vulnerable, then I'm lost. Wow. These are just some ways of, of us being able to identify with the younger brother. But what about the older brother? You know, the contrast between the two is actually uh, very striking because the older brother stayed home. The older brother lives with the father. And yet what we find in the parable is that he is lost as well because his self-righteousness, his moralism, his legalistic religiosity has blinded him to the fact that even though he was living with the father and in the father's house and he was serving the father, he was lost and he could not see it. He was broken and he did not want to admit it. He had weaknesses, but he didn't want to be honest about them. And so if you're saying, well, wait a minute, so the younger brother was lost and the older brother was lost, what's the difference? 
Well, 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 the difference is this. In the parable, Jesus tells us that the younger brother ends up coming into the feast and being embraced by the father, while the older brother never enters in. See, the younger brother lived in his brokenness and his vulnerability, while the older brother remained in denial, trying to appear to be perfect. And so in the end, the relationship that they had with the father were two totally different experiences. Because watch this, if I don't think that I need a savior, then I'm not going to get the benefits of the savior that actually came. And what's crazy is that some level, we are all conspiracy theorists about why we are the way we are, right? And until we stop and say, no, 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 I'm broken, I cannot fix myself, and I need Jesus every day, until we can do that, then we are going to have a very different experience with God. It becomes more real. Um, it's not just a prayer, you know, of God help me. And it, and it starts that way, definitely starts that way. But I feel like as I become more vulnerable, I'm able to put names to feelings. I'm able to put names to situations. I'm able to be more specific in my prayers and I feel like as I become more specific in my prayers God opens up certain situations people certain scenarios even if it's not like a legitimate person from church even just having a conversation with someone at work or in passing or meeting someone new you realize that you've just been given an opportunity to be a witness to somebody or to even just be a light where the advice you're giving someone else, it's like, whoa, like how is God using me in this moment to speak to someone else for something that I just needed myself? Because now I've allowed myself to be more open. And I feel like that's just one example um, that doesn't, that can't even cover, you know, everything that comes with being vulnerable. But You become aware, and as you walk through life, you will see the small changes that do happen. And it's definitely slow, but I feel like the more you are vulnerable and open, you see it. There's no denying it at that point. Yeah, I think that, um, it's like, for me, he tells me, I got you. Don't trip, I got you. Are you ready to do the work? I feel like he says that to me because I feel like you have to come to a place of brokenness. And like being broken is not the best. Cause you, I feel like when you get to a place of brokenness or you want change, it's essentially like rock bottom. And I feel like you'll really, you'll he'll really help you, you know? And then you'll get to another low and you're like, Dang, well, I remember where I was before. And you could just think, like, I've been here before. I know I can get through this. And so it's just more so, like, you know, sometimes you get on that high horse. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing all I got to hit. You know, I'm workspace, hit, hitting them targets. Bible study, small group. I'm good with God. And then you hit that, oof, something happens. And it's like, oof, 
I didn't, that made me feel uncomfortable, God. What is that? Help me. And it's just like, well, this is what you need to do in this area sometimes. Just giving up something. Sometimes that's a sacrifice, in my opinion. At least with my life, it's been sacrifice. It's been, okay, if you're vulnerable, here, sacrifice in this area, you'll gain in this area. So, being that, you know, I'm a Christian, I've committed my life to Christ, um, I've come to learn on so many times that if I'm not being honest, if I'm not being broken or vulnerable before the Lord, I really don't get to experience who He is. I really don't get to experience everything that the Word says or what I'm telling others that they need to experience. Um, when I when I am broken and honest before the Lord, what's interesting is that I'm still I still feel all the pain. I still suffer and all that, but what I get to experience is who God is, and in that. Then I get to experience what freedom is. Then I get to experience what peace really is. And then I get to really experience what His faithfulness means. That He's with me in the long game. That He really hasn't left me nor forsaken me. Um, and I know what it feels like to say all those things and not feel it or know it or experience it. And so um, I have to be vulnerable. I have to be honest. I have to be broken before the Lord so I can truly experience who he is, um, the beautiful gift that he's given me, and everything that um, is in the Word of God. And that's the huge difference because I don't want to, you know, do Christianity and really not receive the, the, the fullness of what I can in my earthly life here on, here on earth. Like, if not, if, if I don't be honest, really be honest with him. If you remember at the beginning, I said that there were two benefits for living out your life in, in, in vulnerability and in brokenness, right? In, in humility and in truth, in transparency. And one would impact your relationship with, and your experience with God, and the other would impact your relationship and experience with others. And the reason why it's with others is because we are to live in community, right? Um, but, but so often community um, is made up of calloused hearts. And so really what today's message um, in many ways is about is not just exclusively at an individual level, but also at a community level, as a community of believers. And, and, and really it challenges us to say, how is our church going to cultivate a culture of emotional health? And one way we do that is to not just lead from our strengths, but to lead from our weaknesses. In fact, look what Pete says on page 127 of, of the book that we're going through. He says this, he says, I learned that leadership is not always being the strong one. Instead, it is being the weak one who is made strong by God alone. It, in fact, watch what Paul says to, his, to, to the second letter that he wrote to the Corinth church. Um, and, and we have to remember that uh, Corinth was a city that lived off of power, right? They, they didn't celebrate weakness, that they killed it. And so to the Corinth church and to the Corinthians, true success lived in strength and in power. But notice what Paul says to them when he writes this letter in 2 Corinthians 12, verse, starting in verse 6. He says this, 
He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think of me uh, than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surprisingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from, from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Next. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm just going to read this one more time because I, I want to highlight some stuff for you. Look what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that, that God told him that his grace is sufficient for him and that his power, God's power, is made perfect in Paul's weakness. And so, then, and so he says this, Therefore, all the, uh, I will boast more. I will boast more gladly about what? About his weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on him, right? He says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecution and in difficulties. Why? He says, because for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul here is arguing for, for, for the authenticity of his leadership and, and, and what he uses uh, to authenticate his leadership is not by appealing to the revelations that he got, to, the, in, to his intellectual abilities, to his theological competencies, to his communication skills, his successes, his accomplishments, but to his weakness. He, he appeals, he points to his weakness that authenticates him as a leader. And, and that's because of this. The brokenness that we do not acknowledge exercises more power in our lives than the brokenness that we do acknowledge. And, and what Paul is saying is, is that what Corinth needs is somebody that is truthful. Corinth does not need more people wearing masks, being fake, putting on a facade, covering their struggles. But, but what Corinth needs and what the Bay Area needs and what California and, and the world needs is for a church and for a people to lead from their vulnerability, to lead from their brokenness, to lead from their weaknesses. In fact, there's a whole theology of shared pain that Paul talks about that, that we need to understand because this is the genius of the cross. The, the genius of the cross is that Jesus saved the world through weakness and vulnerability. In fact, when, when Jesus is talking about sending people out, sending these disciples out, he says this, he says, I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. It, he, he says, I'm going to send you out vulnerable. In, in other words, Jesus is, is sending us out to the world the same way he came into the world. He, he came in vulnerable. He came in as a babe, uh, born in a manger, right? 
And, and knowing this, knowing that, that living in brokenness and vulnerability impacts the way that we relate, that we relate to each other, uh, is it, huge for us to be able to understand what this means to not just us, but to those around us. Because our unwillingness to live in vulnerability pushes us to places of abusive power rather than understanding that we are all broken. See, see what, what Paul is doing here, what Jesus is explaining here to us, what is this, is that this is a strategy of love. Because when you are honest about your struggles, uh, your, your emotions, uh, when you're when you're honest about areas like yeah I get angry and I get defensive and and, and I get passive aggressive and when, when we're honest about these things then what that does is it creates spaces of connection between people that that causes us to discover that it's not actually good for us to do life by ourselves and, and so what that means is your vulnerability is not a deficit in your part but it's a welcoming of their part. Your vulnerability is not a deficit in your part, but it's a welcoming in their part. So, so acknowledging our defensiveness, right? Acknowledging uh, our passive aggressiveness or acknowledging that there are times where we think we're better than somebody else, that we're more moral than somebody else. These, the, these attitudes of the heart, right? Uh, and it can and it can begin to it, it can it can begin to get inside of us to where we don't we're not sure if we want to do that we're not sure if we're ready because we're worried about maybe what other people are going to say how other people are going to look at us but but Christ says no 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 be vulnerable take the risk take the risk because there are some things that I learn more from those who challenge me than celebrate me. So as we conclude today, can I just invite you, wherever you're at, maybe you're in your living room, right? Uh, maybe you're in your bedroom watching this or listening to this. But, but can I just invite you to start, to start living in brokenness and vulnerability? Uh, not coming to God when you feel like you have it all together. Not coming to God and say, okay, God, my life is good. I, I, I'm good now. I'm nice to people. I, I don't lie. I, I, I do, you know, I pay my taxes. I, you know, right? I mean, not when we have it all together, but, but come to God when we're broken. Come to God and say, God, I don't have it all together. I, I, I'm not good right now. I, I need you. Come to God and, and be able to, to get to a place where you can say, I depend on you. I cannot fix myself. When, when you begin to pray, say, yes, Lord, I get angry. Yes, Lord, I, have, I, I get insecure, right? Uh, yes, Lord, um, you know, I, I, I compare myself to others and, and I get envious of others. And, and yes, I'm bitter and yes, I'm unforgiving. I am broken and I need you. I'm broken and I need you. Can we just be honest today? Can we begin to be honest with who we are and what we're going through? Is there anybody here that says, yes, I am willing to put down the mask. I'm willing to put down the facade. I'm willing to come, not just before God, but for other people. I'm willing to come before a community of believers and share my vulnerability and lead out of my weakness. Why? Because my trust my acceptance is in God. And because Jesus came vulnerable, 
And so I will live vulnerable too. Let me just pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are calling us to live in brokenness and vulnerability. And Heavenly Father, sometimes as a church, that is difficult because God, uh, the, the, you know, your church has, has created an atmosphere that sometimes makes it difficult to be honest with one another. And, and Lord, you know, I repent of that, God. God, I, I am sorry that the church has become that. But I pray that Inspire will be different. I pray that the people of Inspire, that the members of Inspire will be different, that we will lead and live and love from our brokenness and our vulnerability and our weaknesses, God. Help us, Heavenly Father, to do that. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.